In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. For millennia, people have been trying to find a way to navigate through life, dealing with the stuff of everyday life, navigating through life's ups and downs, seeking a code of conduct, a set of rules or guidelines on how to treat others. Codes of laws have been developed to provide guidance, some religious, some not. Today's reading from the book of Exodus is part of a very long list of ordinances, of laws. The Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, are given by Yahweh to Moses first, followed by what may be considered the covenant rules or stipulations. These stipulations are a way that Israel understands the intention of Yahweh for its life, every part of its life, the public, the personal, even the economic and the sexual. It's a very long list, beginning in chapter 20 and ending about halfway through chapter 23. In all, there are 613 commandments in the Torah. The Pharisees are what might be considered the protectors of the law, seeing that the commandments are strictly observed and are faithfully kept. They come to Jesus, not wishing to learn from him, but trying to trap him. They solicitously call him teacher, although they are not his disciples. Their representative asks, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? To which Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The love of God is at the center of all that God commands us, of all that he has shown us. Everything flows from this centrality of love. As Christians, our example for how to live lives with the love of God and neighbor at the center is our Lord, Jesus Christ. Jesus encounters all sorts of issues and obstacles in his life here on earth. From being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, to the Sadducees and Pharisees who try to trap him, to the leaders who condemn him to death on the cross. In all that Jesus does, but particularly in his death and resurrection for the salvation of all creation, we get a glimpse of the nature of God, God's love for us, for all of creation boundless love. God does have expectations for us, and we hear it from Jesus. We are to love love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. No longer 613 laws to keep up with, but two that are the basis of all others. It's that simple. It's that difficult to love God with our entire being, our entire self, our hearts, our souls, our minds. From this love of God, it naturally follows that we love God's creation, God's people, all God's people. We are not to oppress the stranger, the sojourner, who may need a place to rest or a meal or a place to live. We are to care for the vulnerable in our midst and not make life more difficult for them. We are to treat others as God has treated us, with boundless love and compassion. 
And that includes people who disagree with us or who are our opponents in some way, like the Pharisees and Jesus. Jesus doesn't malign the Pharisees for their opposition. He responds to their questions. He knows they're trying to trap him into saying something controversial. He knows they don't believe he is the Messiah. He wants them to understand, to understand who he is. So he poses the question to them about the Christ, which makes sense because the Pharisees are the teachers of their people and should be able to answer biblical questions. Jesus engages them as teachers of their people. What do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? They answer, the son of David. Jesus says, so how is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him Lord? If David thus calls him Lord, how is he his son? The Pharisees cannot answer the question, or they choose not to answer, and dared not ask Jesus any other questions from that day. They couldn't answer because they did not believe. They did not believe Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus, as the Christ, is both Lord and Son of David. For whatever reason, the Pharisees as a group could not see that Jesus was indeed the Christ. Yet Jesus did not berate or ridicule them. He responded to them in a way they understood, asking a biblical question, initiating a chance for debate, for discussion, which of course did not happen. They remained silent. This is an example for us to take to heart. What do we do when we encounter someone in the church who doesn't agree with us? Perhaps it's about a question in the Bible or about what God wants, what God intends for the church. If the person is new to Christianity, they are in the process of seeking for understanding. Be patient, listen. Respond graciously to their questions and concerns. Be supportive. If the person or persons have been here a while, there are bound to be times when controversies arise, when disagreements threaten to divide the church. These times can be very difficult, very painful. It can be hard to listen to someone who has a very different point of view than we do. Sometimes we feel threatened when this happens. Our beliefs are being challenged. The key here is to not disparage the person or persons who agree with us. Focus on the issue. When differences of opinion arise, it's an opportunity for us to listen, to really listen, to avoid thinking that our understanding is the only and the correct understanding. We must remember that we don't possess all knowledge. Only God does. And we must work together, must work with each other to discern a way forward because the downside is so severe. It can lead to division, division that splits the church, division that breaks the body of Christ. Ours is a revealed religion. We must remember that there have been struggles over the course of the history of the church as she worked her way through all sorts of heretical ideas. Think of some of the things that the church has struggled with. The nature of Jesus. Was he human? Was he divine? Yes and yes. 
fully human, fully divine. And what about the relationship of God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, the Holy Trinity? That took a long time to understand. One of the promises we make in our baptismal covenant is to respect the dignity of every human being. That flows naturally from the love of God centered in our hearts, but it can be so difficult to do with those with whom we are having great debates. Jesus provides us an example on how to respond with those with whom we disagree, having the love of God as our center and our guide. Look at Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees. Jesus listened to them. Jesus answered their questions. Jesus also engaged them in debate, or at least he tried to. He offered an opportunity that they failed to take. Perhaps if they had been open to the challenges Jesus presented to them, they could have struggled with what they believed in the light of Jesus' teaching and example. Perhaps if they had opened themselves up for the possibility that Jesus is who he claims to be, they could have seen him for who he was. When controversies in the church arise, hold fast to what Jesus has taught us in the great commandment. To love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Let us come together with those with whom we disagree in prayer, sharing the bread and wine of the Eucharist, and seeking for the truth that God intends for us, together, with God's help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, holding Jesus Christ's example of unfailing, unconditional love always before us. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.